Well, Happy New Year. Are you like me? Are you so glad that 2020 is done? Well, it seems like 2020 is extending into 2021 with the virus and the vaccine and the political unrest and Lord knows what. Well, I'm Scott Weatherford, and what I'd like to do for you in this whole year is to shift our focus away from the troubles we have seen in this world to to look at Jesus. And all year, we're going to focus on Jesus, who he is, what he said, what he done, what he's done. Now, as we begin this, I want to invite you to an experience. This is what I'd like for you to do. Take advantage of three distinct environments we're creating. We're creating a God time environment where you can have readings, scripture readings, what Jesus said about the very things I'm teaching on every week. Then you can have a group experience, whether you're in uh, Nebraska or Oklahoma or California, Colorado, Canada, Costa Rica. We're providing content for you via video that is a complement to the things we're teaching that you can follow along with your group and go deeper into the subject matter of that week. And then, of course, we have the gatherings. Whether you're in person or online, the gathering time is going to be coordinating the group time and the God time. So you can have a robust experience with Jesus all year long. And we're excited to offer that for you and want to encourage you to do that. Now, if you're living remotely and you're not in the Wimberley Valley, find two or three people and invite them into your home and start a group. We'll help you with that. Just shoot us an email. Uh, You can email Tom at FBCWimberley.com and he'll help you get all the material you need to get your group going. And have church at home and be a part of our family, even though you might live at another location. It doesn't matter. The kingdom of God is broad and wide and deep, and it includes everyone, and we want to include you. So we're going to start this series, Meet Jesus. I want to introduce you to my very good friend, my Savior, my King, my Lord, my Comforter, my Provider, my Hope, King Jesus. And in meeting him, I know your life is going to be changed. So over the next eight weeks, we're going to talk about who Jesus is, because I want you to meet him. Now, one of the most compelling comments that I think I've ever heard is, hey, come see this. Come, come and see. Come and see. It's one of those things that it's intriguing. It's an invitation of discovery. It's an invitation of inclusion. It's, it's to invite you to see something you perhaps have never seen before, or it's your opportunity to share with someone what you've discovered. Come and see. I I, I want you to see that. Uh, We say other things, idiomatic phrases like, check this out, or uh, see this for yourself, or uh, come take a look at this, or come go with me even to that invitation of inclusivity to bring you in to the connection. So I I just want to say, come and see. Come and see. These are quests for discovery. So today, I want to show you something that's probably one of the most compelling things the living, loving God has ever done. He came as a baby in a manger, which we just celebrated Christmas, and he walked as a man on, on earth. So you say, hey, come, come and see. Come check this out. Look at who I am. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm going to do for you. You know, throughout Scripture, you see God having that invitation, but never in the way that Jesus did. To Noah, he said, Come and see, because it's going to rain. Rain? Oh, it's rain. No rain before Noah. That's crazy, isn't it? And then to Moses, come and see, and then come and go. And then to Jacob, and to Samuel, and to David, and Isaiah, Jeremiah, all of these guys, these kind of the big prophets of old, heard the invitation to come and see and go and tell. And what they saw changed history. And I want to say this, God encounters will leave you changed. What you see will change your story or your history. 
Jesus comes into history, God in flesh. Now get this. He was the most dynamic, compelling, effective, insightful, attractive figure ever to walk this earth. Now people say, well, you know, the Bible said he was ugly. Well, actually, it says in Isaiah that he was disfigured on the cross, on the cross. So let's don't let our theological ignorance guide us into a misconception about Jesus. Compelling, dynamic, attractive, and invitational. Uh, when Jesus walked into a room, not all the heads turned, all the world, all the universe turned. He was God in flesh. And then he says this thing, come and check me out. You know, never before had the gods made themselves available. Now, obviously the gods of the ancient world were no gods at all. They were just myths, myths of man. But he said, come and check me out. And he captured us and is still frozen in time. But he's still moving today. <clears throat> and he's still inviting you to have a life changed by him. So we're going to encounter him over the next several weeks. And today we're going to hear the invitation of come and see. It doesn't stop there. He invites us to a deeper relationship. So check this out. Jesus is our Savior, and he is inviting us to come and see. Come and be changed. Come and receive. Come to Jesus. And he invites you and I in the invitation. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for what you uh, want to do and say through me this morning as we talk about this compelling truth that Jesus is Savior. And I pray, Father, that those who will hear will hear exactly what you have designed for them to hear, and they'll be changed by their hearing, that they'll not merely hear, but they'll do and respond and react, that they'll take bold steps to follow this one, King Jesus, who invites them in to a life greater than they could ever imagine. So thank you for what you're going to say. And I pray this in your son's strong name. Amen. Amen. One of my favorite chapters uh, in the book of John, uh, John is uh, an amazing gospel. Pastor John, I uh, pastored a church in Asia Minor. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was in his congregation, so he had to be on his P's and Q's. But John speaks as a pastor, and he writes the gospel of John to reveal who Jesus is. So we're going to look at a lot at the book of John in this series as we meet Jesus. But he says something in chapter 1, and John in the brilliant prologue, he puts a juxtaposition between the current culture and the reality of Jesus. You see, Jesus comes in to transcend culture. He doesn't come to speak to or modify. He comes to change and transcend. And, and so John introduces that. Then we see that the Jesus comes on the scene. But his first invitation, come and see, is an invitation to you and to me to find the new me and the new you. Let me read for you. John 1. Jesus turned and saw them following, and he said, what are you seeking? Oh, what a great question. I mean, if you're kind of creeping behind Jesus and he turns around and looks at you, you're going like, you look at your shoes, look up in the air, whatever. He says, what do you boys want? What are you seeking? Now, that's a compelling question because all of us are seeking something. All of us are seeking hope and purpose and joy. We would love to get rid of our anxiety, our depression, our just ambiguity of this stinking pandemic we're going through and the uncertainty of government. We are all seeking something. And Jesus turns around and he speaks right to heart. What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Like, what kind of lame answer is that? Jesus turned around and said, hey, what are you guys looking for? He goes, oh, where are you staying? Like uh, the Holiday Inn up on the hill. What? 
Come on. But see, this is the awkwardness we have when we're approaching King Jesus. Uh, we, but he doesn't have this awkwardness. He doesn't. And he doesn't want you to have this awkwardness. He wants you to come check him out. He stands with his nail-pierced hands wide open and says, come see. Come see. And so that's what he says. So they came and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him a few days for it was a a few, uh, say with that, that day, for it's about the 10th hour. It's about 10 in the morning when they joined him. Now, this question of what are you seeking is really compelling. Jesus made you, your heart, to be a seeker. Now, some of you that are in the church world, you heard the word seeker, and you went, oh, seeker, seeker. Okay, just settle down. It's all right. But he put in your heart the desire to seek. It says, in the book of Ecclesiastes, it's God who's put eternity in the heart of man. That we're seeking more than what we're currently experiencing. We're looking for something far more compelling and dynamic than we're currently experiencing. So this natural proclivity that God has given us, we are designed to be seekers. We look for joy and we look for purpose. And joy and purpose can only be found in Jesus and we try to find it in everything else. We try to find it in the pleasures of the world. We try to find it in the addictions of this world. We even try to find it in the people of this world. And it just doesn't work. Jesus is the only one. Now, this invitation to come and see is the answer to the question that Jesus is the answer no matter what your question is. Now, okay, you say, okay, whatever, Scott. That sounds like a 1950s crusade theme. Jesus is the answer. And automatically, I think of Andre Crouch singing that song, Jesus is the answer for the world today. He is. He really is. All your expectations, all your hopes, all your fears are rest in him. Jesus is the answer. He's the one who can meet your needs. And the thing is, you can't even come into a relationship with God until the invitation of Jesus comes into your heart. What? Yeah. You're designed to be a seeker, but Jesus is a finder. And he loves to find seekers and draw them to himself. This is what Jesus said. And this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it's granted him by the Father. That's John again, 665. Listen to this. This is John 637. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. You're watching right now because the Father, God, has put it in your heart to be a seeker. And he is showing you the answer, King Jesus. He is our Savior. I I think that's amazing. What are you seeking? Come and see. If you come to me, he's not going to cast you out, Jesus says. He says, all you weary, heavy laden, I'll give you rest because he is the answer. But not only is it an invitation to a new you, it's an invitation to a new character to come and follow, <clears throat> to come and follow Jesus. And let me read. This is from Luke. And so there were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And when they had bought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. You see, the invitation to come and see, come and see him as the need meter, the longing of your heart is take the next step. And every one of us have a next step to come and follow. And it was about the third time that these dudes had encountered Jesus. 
Now, you read it in Luke, you think, oh, it's the first time Jesus showed up. He gets on their boat. They catch some fish. And all of a sudden, poof, they're magically transformed. No, it was a process. They heard Jesus preaching at the, uh, they saw Jesus when John the Baptist was preaching at the Jordan River. They'd watched him do some other things in, in the upper Galilee. They had been acquainted with Jesus. Now, listen to me very carefully. It's different from knowing about Jesus than knowing him. That's the difference between churchianity and Christianity. We can know about him, but not know him. And this invitation to come and see is always followed with the next step of come and follow. Jesus takes his time to build your life. I've heard this. In fact, uh, one of the guys that's influenced my life greatly was Bill Hybels, and he wrote a book called Just Walk Across the Room. And he said most people respond to the invitation of the gospel of Jesus Christ on the seventh time they hear the gospel. Seventh time. Now, you don't know if you're one or you're seven. It doesn't matter. You are being used by God in the evangelical conversation. It's not a sales pitch where you close the deal and sell them a toothbrush. No. It's the process of a holy God seeking and saving and inviting because he's our Savior. Come and see and then come and follow. Like... Those guys on the boat, they said, they said, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. We have to deal with our own sinful nature. We have to say, okay, what's going on with me? That I have a sin nature. And I want to encourage you with that. If it could be encouraged by I'm a sinful nature. All have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standards. Uh, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And we're justified by grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's Romans 3, 23 and 24. Now, we often confuse with following Jesus with understanding Jesus. Uh, the more we know, the more we will follow. That's true. We all know that's not quite totally true. We all know people that know a lot, but they don't follow. Knowledge without application is, is useless. If we're not applying the knowledge, then it just becomes trivial. Bible studies that don't lead to life change are filling your time with a trivial pursuit. What? Did you just really say that? Yeah, I did. Because so many of us want to gauge our devotion to Christ by what we know about Scripture. Now, you need to know Scripture. Trust me. I've spent my life studying and, and understanding and teaching and preaching Scripture. But it leads to life change. It doesn't lead to information. It leads to life change. I've got commentaries in my library that are written by people who do not believe in Jesus. And they've written commentaries on, on the Gospels. Really? Yeah, really. So it's not about what you know. It's about who you follow. God's word is to be studied in order to change your life, not just to inform your mind. You see, following Jesus is having your character to become like Jesus. You are to share it with what you've discovered then with others. You're one beggar telling other beggars where the bread is. Hmm. I, I've grown weary of hearing preachers, and I, I usually don't pick on preachers, but I am just going to a little bit because you know, I could be picked on as well. You just need to be the best you you can be. You know, I think there's probably been times I've said that. And that is so stinking ignorant. God doesn't want me to be the best I can be. Because the best I can be is a hell-bound degenerate. And I can hear the amens going up all over the internet right now. All right, listen to me very carefully. I'm to become like Jesus. God doesn't want me to be self-improved. He wants me to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. This is not my best life now. Not ever going to be. 
My best life is yet to come. This life is preparation for the next life. And as I give my life and give my character and give my all to King Jesus, he transforms me. He transforms me as I become a citizen of heaven. Ooh, wow. Now, he took them through a process, Peter, James, and John, and the rest of the, 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 the disciples. What kind of process did he took them through? Well, we would call it a next steps process. He connected them to himself and to each other. They grew in character as he taught the word. They served the, the community, and they shared the gospel. Connecting, growing, serving, and sharing. Really? Really. Oh, you mean that philosophy that you keep talking about is not something you cooked up in the middle of the night? Heck no. What I cook up in the middle of the night is nonsense and noise. What God cooks up is life change, that you're to be connected with him through a relationship where of the will, where you say, Jesus, I'm yours, and then you're connected with other believers. Then you grow to be like Christ in character. You serve God by serving others and share the love of God in word and deed wherever you go. That's a life that honors God. Wow. Process, come and see, come and follow, come and serve, come and die. Don't be afraid. This passage says they were afraid. You don't don't need to be scared. Don't be afraid. Lean in because Jesus is making your character like his. In fact, it says he's giving you the will and the desire to do what pleases him. Wow. This invitation is an invitation to come and serve. It gives you new meaning. Listen to this. And when he had washed their feet, he put on his outer garment and resumed his place. He said to them, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, and I'm so. For then, if your Lord and teacher has washed your feet, you ought to all wash one another's feet. For I've given you example that you should also do just as I've done for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If you know these things, blessed are you that do them. Come and see. Be connected. Come and follow. Have your character transformed. Come and serve. Find a new purpose. This is the salvation process of Jesus. This is a great example. You're to become servants. You're not Lord. You're not better than. You're not spiritual elite. Jesus wants us to see needs and meet needs. You serve God by serving others. And you break the grip of selfishness in your own heart. And you break the grip of entitlement in your own heart. You break the grip of arrogance in your own heart. You break the grip of racism in your own heart when you serve people. Serve people. During the the holiday season, Thanksgiving and Christmas, we served the valley. We served food to the valley. Not because we're arrogant or elite. Because Christ has moved in our hearts that we might do what he did and meet needs. Wow. I have to be willing to put the towel over my arm and serve others all for Jesus. But it's also an invitation to a new life. You see, Jesus as your Savior didn't just come to get your hide out of hell. He came that you might have a life worth living. And that is in giving yourself away to come and die to yourself and live a new life for him. This is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no man than this than someone lay down his life for his friends. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brother and sister, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. 
<clears throat> that's one of the hard sayings of Jesus. And we read that, we go, okay, what the heck? Does Jesus say that we have to get rid of our family in order to be a Christian? No, it's not what he's saying at all. He's saying that we have to put in priorities of our life that Jesus is first. You see, God doesn't want to be second in your life. He wants to be Lord of your life. Now, he's Lord whether or not you acknowledge it or not. He's Lord. But this invitation to give your life away, to come and die, die to yourself and live a new life, a surrendered life, that we die to live for ourselves, to live all for Jesus. You know, my biggest struggle in all this is that I'm selfish and I'm shallow. I want what I want when I want it. I, uh, I want to become like Jesus, and I have to die in order for that to happen, and I just don't want to do that. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. You see, when I die to myself, then I don't get my way. But I've understood this. When I die to myself, my marriage gets better. My parenting gets better. My finances get better. I find true life when I really realize it's not about me. It's not about me. I think we've done a divisive thing by not challenging you to die to yourself. You see, the church has become inward focused. We gather to satisfy our preferences instead of our outward focus to live all for Jesus. I've said this to you before. The church is the only organization that exists not for the benefit of its members. We exist to be the hope of the world. When we truly die to ourselves, we truly live. Jesus is our Savior. He saves us from hell, and he saves us from a life living like hell. Oh. So I've asked this question before, and I'll ask it again on this first Sunday of January. What would you do for God if you knew it was him who asked? Well, I know what you're saying. Well, I'd do anything. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You're not doing the things, very things he's asking you to do already. Like, be connected. Read your Bible, pray, grow, have your character transformed. You're not doing that. Giving, serving, sharing. Your neighbor's sitting across the street with a big old hole in their heart, and you could fill it. What are you doing? What should you be doing? I loved not long ago, Pastor Sean preached, and he used this idiom that's really stuck with me, that his little three-year-old granddaughter says, Papa, check yourself. <laughs> if the wisdom could come from a three-year-old about self-analyzation, it should come from us. Check yourself. What are you doing? What should you be doing? Huh. So what are you seeking? What are you seeking? Listen to the invitation of Jesus as Savior. Come and see. I'm the one you're looking for. Come and follow. Because I'll make your life different than you ever could imagine. Come and serve. And by serving, you lose yourself to find yourself. Oh, and come and die. And live for a purpose greater than your own life. A purpose for King Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is your Savior. And oh, guess what? He'll save any of you who hear the gospel, and today you have. So what are you going to do? My prayer for you is that you'll come to Jesus. You'll come to Jesus right now. Let me help you with that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you said in your word this morning. And I pray, Father, that we will not be caught up 
in the confusion of religion, but we'll be captivated by the power of your spirit right now, and we'll take our next steps with you. Father, I sense that people listening today, many of them need to give their life to you, and I pray that they'll respond to you in faith, that they will pray right now this prayer, Jesus, I'm yours. I give myself to you. Thank you for dying for me, for being resurrected, for forgiving my sins. I accept you now as my Savior. I accept you now as my Savior. Jesus, I'm yours. Father, I don't know who's prayed and who's not, and I pray they'll have the courage to let us know. And folks, if that's you, just click that button and raise your hand. Said, hey, I've made this decision, and let us help you with next steps. Lord, I, I sense there's others that need to take that next step of, of growing and of serving and sharing and, and taking um, steps into the family formally, to be a part of a church family formally. And so, God, I pray whatever you're doing, whatever you're leading, that people will do exactly what you want them to do. And I thank you for how good you are. And I pray this all in your son's strong name. Amen. Thanks for joining me this morning. And we're going to have an exciting series as we meet Jesus. Don't forget your God time, the scriptures that are provided. They're on our webpage, fbcwimberly.com. And also the group material that's there for you. Two or three of you can watch it together and grow and discuss and, and let God work deep things in your heart as we meet King Jesus. And I want you to meet him. He is your savior. And we'll talk more about him in the days ahead as we live all for Jesus. Also, thank you for generosity. Thank you for giving that this ministry may continue to go on and build lives that honor God all over North America and in Latin America as we launch a great movement called Eficon, Eficon, something in Spanish, uh, Edificando, there it is, Edificando Vidas, Building Lives uh, Espanol. So pray for us as we do this. Pray for my Spanish as we do this because Lord knows I need that. So God bless you. I love you. And I'll see you again next week.